You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Court Today. Court Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning. Our lines are open. 1850-333-103. Bernie takes your calls and comments. You can always text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Mentioning there in the weather about those strong winds. Storm Hannah, uh, of course, will reach our shores in the next two hours. And it is due uh, to, first of all, hit off the West Cork coast. And at the moment, it is an orange warning status. But in the last hour or so, uh, Met Aaron have come out and they're warning this could be upgraded to a red status for parts of the country later on and they will once we get that warning if we get that warning we'll bring it to you here across the morning at C103 but looking at the radar from Met Aaron it looks like that from around 3 o'clock just before 3 o'clock that's when the strongest of the winds will hit the West Cork coast. Uh, hitting first are Groom, Castletown Bear, Kilcrohan, Goline, Skull, uh, Baltimore. Those areas will experience and, and will be hit first with the strong winds. It will continue on then to spread right across the county. Uh, but overall, the strongest winds, evening as we go into the evening uh, part of the day, it's going to be the coast that will get this particular hit because the winds seem to be highest along the coastal area areas in West Cork and East Cork 70 to 80 kilometres an hour is what we're looking at for those strong winds and gusts could be higher than that. The orange status as I said affecting the whole county of Cork and surrounding counties but looking at the radars at the moment it does seem the coastal areas of West and East Cork are going to be worst hit with this particular storm with the winds of 70 to 80 K gusts much higher than that but we'll let you know across the morning what the state of play is with Storm Hannah and if Met Aaron decide to upgrade the actual storm to a red warning. Stay with us across the morning. We'll bring you the latest on what's happening uh, with Storm Hannah. But on that, and as the weather is going to deteriorate over the next while, uh, we have a number of cancellations that have been uh, brought to our attention across the morning. First of all, uh, and these are, are, are items we mentioned across the week, the sale of work and raffle, which is advertised for the Bandon JA Hall tonight, that has been postponed. That will now take place on Friday the 3rd of May. That was organised by the Church of Ireland, Ireland Union of Parishes. So that's now not going to go ahead until next Friday. Bingo 
Vigo is cancelled in Kildallery tonight and the Clonakilty Froga Youth Musical Extravaganza which was due to be held tonight in Clonakilty Industrial Hall that is postponed now to a later date if you've already purchased tickets for that event they will remain valid for the next date they decide there for that particular event with the Froga Club in Clonakilty and as I said we'll keep you updated across the morning on any more cancellations and indeed an update on Storm Hannah also, just coming into us on text, uh, could you give a mention to this cancellation that they, for safety reasons, we have decided to postpone the Dawn Chorus in Castle Magnar until the 25th of May. Uh, they apologise for any inconvenience caused, but again, Dawn Chorus in Castle Magnar now postponed until the 25th of May due to that storm warning. And sad news yesterday coming in, uh, just yesterday afternoon as we were finishing up the programme, I got the call that Fergal Quain, of course, who was well known for his time with with Super Queen, also a senator, joined us here many times on the programme. Uh, nice man to deal with. Uh, he passed away yesterday afternoon. I'm sure you would have seen the coverage on TV news and indeed across the papers this morning. And no one really has a bad word to say about Fergal Quinn. The way he dealt with his customers, the way he, his attitude to business in this country, how he really fought for what he believed in. And I remember when I was in college, and I think it wasn't in the college I was in, it was at another college, but it was... Uh, some students were getting together doing a project on supermarkets uh, for marketing course uh, and they were trying to figure out the best way that supermarkets target customers and how they, they decide and what offers to run at a certain time and all of that and they were going through the various uh, supermarkets and dealing with them and they made contact with Superquin and some of the supermarkets came back by email and would have given a statement or rang back and someone would have uh, even posted out a, a brochure about what they do or explained on the phone but it actually was Fergal Quinn himself that rang back one of my mates um, in CIT at the time and gave him the details of what they actually do for about five or ten minutes on the phone. And I've heard more stories of this that people who inquired about um, info from Super Quinn or just had maybe a complaint or something that they wanted to get information on. Not all the time, but some of the times it was actually the main man would ring you back, which is very unusual for a major supermarket retail chain. Of course, uh, Super Quinn was sold and uh, now all, all of the Super Quinn supermarkets, they were all rebranded because Super Value purchased Super Quinn so they were all rebranded as Super Value stores. Still, some of the products were kept from Super Quinn, but a lot of people remembering Fergal Quinn yesterday and indeed again this morning. And on this morning's programme, uh, we are going to look at news that came out this week and a number of local IFA groups, uh, they were in Dublin because they were protesting at the sale of farm loans by AIB to vulture funds. Now, these loans uh, were sold. They're non-performing loans. But the worry here from the IFA and farming groups is that these particular farms are going to be sold now by those vulture funds. And the IFA have come out and they said they will boycott any sale of farms that is going to be sold by vulture funds and this isn't uh, farmers who know if they default that this will happen to them that they, they know the system these are people who tried who made arrangements who wanted to pay back the money uh, but for some reason or another could not pay back the money and now their loans are going into vulture funds who of course will want to make the profit who want the money back and they simply will just sell uh, the farmer or do what they can to get the money back also earlier on this week when discussing the learner driver issue and how people still have a learner permit 35 years after after receiving one and never doing a driving test, we got a lot of calls from people 
who weren't surprised at the system because they're saying, well, a few years ago, and this is 2016, the RSA brought in these rules and they just confused the nation. And these were the changes to those people who were always towing a trailer and were travelling to and from the marsh or wherever they were going to with their trailer. And overnight, the laws changed and they could no longer actually tow a particular trailer because the licence didn't match that, even though they could have been doing uh, this particular job and this route for 20 or 30 years on their licence, it was no longer valid. A lot of anger still about that. We discussed it at length at the time when the new law was being brought in and the new licence arrangements were introduced, but still people are finding it confusing and don't agree with this particular new regime when it comes to the towing of traders. We'll also speak to the IFA on that. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. A word of warning from the Director of Cork Sexual Violence Centre, Mary Crilly, uh, warning students who were booking post leaving cert trips and these are the trips people go on after completing their leaving cert to sunny destinations uh, there's been an increase in a number of assaults that take place on those particular holidays we'll speak to Mary Crilly this morning on the show about that we're also going to hear uh, from Keely Jones who spoke with us last year Keely was living in tents near Yall and over the last year has been going to various places B&Bs and that sort of thing uh, for accommodation she has a large family and with the summer approaching uh, we our senior reporter Fiona Corcoran spoke to Kelly yesterday and the question is will she be going back to live in tents as of yet she has no permanent housing situation so we'll hear an update from Kelly Jones this morning on the show also we mentioned this during the week how mothers are no longer passing down their cooking skills to their children it seems now everybody is so busy that the cooking skills you might have learned a number of years ago uh, the young mums nowadays because work life is so busy everybody has to work to pay the mortgage and the bills and you're even bringing work home with you because of the way workplaces have gone and because of all of that people just simply don't have time to sit down their children and show them how to cook from scratch they're preparing meals faster some people actually get takeaways some nights some people go out during the day uh, for lunch or even it could be a childminder actually preparing the meal for the child until the actual mother comes home and then there's no time to pass on the skills it's a study that was carried out with the support of Safe Food and we'll hear about that and your thoughts as well I mean is it a case that a number of years ago people were able to pass on the skills of cooking and now young mums feel they just simply don't have the time they're too busy and every bit of time they have with their child is so luxurious because of how busy our lives have got your views are welcome on that we're going to hear an update on the big push to save lives event that's at the Cork Race Course in Mallow tomorrow our movie review at Mark and we didn't get to this this week but also we're going to hear from those who auditioned for the Young Offenders this week the popular Cork TV show we're going to hear from people who queued up and went along to see if they can get a part in the new series of the Young Offenders and that and a lot more to come between now and one Bernie take to your comments 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 also we will keep you up to date across the morning with the latest cancellations and indeed the latest with regards to Storm Hannah which is hitting us here in Cork after midday uh, but your comments are welcome you can always email this morning jp at c103 dot i103 our lines are open 1850-333-103 Bernie takes your comments or indeed text or WhatsApp this morning 
086-2103-103. Remember earlier in the week we were informing you about uh, this gang that were coming around. They have reached Ireland. They were in Dublin, Sligo, many along the east coast, also made their way to Waterford. But what they were doing were they were targeting elderly people who were paying their shopping in the supermarket by a debit card. And once they were putting in their pen number at the till, uh, this gang were nearby or standing behind them and memorising the PIN number. Also, we're told that they were, you know, the in-house ATMs within supermarkets. If people were getting money out of them, they were hanging around those. And even though they are well protected to cover your PIN, wherever they were standing around, because in a supermarket, people are supposed to be browsing and looking at bread or or whatever's on the shelves. Uh, They were actually browsing and fastly looking over your shoulder at your pen number and then supposed to be looking at the signs or at something else in the supermarket not being totally obvious that they were actually trying to memorise your pen number what happens then is they actually go outside the store afterwards they will distract uh, the person who they have memorised their pen number usually asking for directions and they'll say how do you get to XYZ and while the woman or man is asking you for directions somebody else is behind you taking out your purse or wallet and eventually taking your pink or your actual debit card and then they're going off to the nearest ATM and taking out a lot of money and that is uh, something that we were warning people to be uh, aware of because uh, we said well it's happening in, in Waterford if it's happening on the east coast how long before it hits us here in Cork well I was online yesterday and I saw on the Kinsale notice board a similar incident happening this was uh, someone's mother who was in a car park in Kinsale giving giving a woman directions and while she was giving the woman directions and the woman then was actually looking at a map uh, so distracting this person even more her bank cards were taken from her purse whilst it was on the passenger seat of her car presumably uh, by the man who was with that particular woman they didn't later try to use the cards they possibly uh, the the people think here that they followed this person from Lidl in Kinsale and they were driving a navy blue saloon car. Uh, they were being described of having a Mediterranean type accent. Uh, but Gardie had been notified in the Kinsale area. So again, just beware of that deception and distraction theft that is going around uh, the, well, as I said, started off in Dublin, but now it could be this same kind of theft happening now here in Cork in Kinsale yesterday. So just be aware of that if you are in supermarkets and you are paying your shopping at the till by debit card just be careful who's around you or you're getting money out of the in-store ATM within the actual store just watch who's behind you because people might think they're browsing or looking up at signs when they're actually trying to memorise your uh, actual PIN number for your debit card and then when you go outside the supermarket uh, directions is seemingly what they're asking people looking for directions and that is causing confusion there so just be be wary of that I mentioned Fertile Quinn earlier who passed away yesterday afternoon Andy in Newmarket says yesterday our country lost one of our great greatest businessmen with the death of the former senator and Super Quinn CEO Fertile Quinn his contribution to the retail trade was defining by any standards and that was pretty evident in his first TV series where he was the people's man with a common touch and put his customers first and foremost may he rest in peace Fertile Quinn says Andy O'Connor in Newmarket and just speaking of scams and thefts like the one there uh, in Kinsale reading in the Sun this morning uh, that a four this was in the UK that a four million pounds scratch card won by two convicted crooks 
Well, seemingly the lot of chiefs in the UK fear that the actual scratch card could have been bought with a stolen card. At the moment, they're refusing to pay out the money to these two because Camelot, who run the lot of in the UK, are checking this out with the bank because they need to pay the actual money into a bank account. But none of these two guys have a bank account. And in order to pay the scratch card or buy the scratch card and pay for it with a debit card, you need a bank account. So now they're wondering, was the actual debit card stolen? So they're holding off to pay them until they find out if the actual debit card they used to pay for the scratch card was stolen. They're not paying them the money on that. Uh, also, we want to bring this to people's attention. I don't know if, if this has been noticed by others or not who travel on the railway line to Bantir. A breeder in Mallow was travelling on train recently and she wants to know why, and if even the council did this, why they cut the white thorn trees along the Bantier railway line. Uh, this happened last week. These were in full bloom and she thought that the cutting of these was not allowed at this time of the year. Well, yeah, they aren't allowed to do it from March till August uh, and I would presume it does apply to white thorn trees as well uh, but if anybody else has noticed this those particular white thorn trees gone missing on the Bantier railway line I must say hello and a big happy birthday 10 years going is the Tarish Stock fundraising shop in Dunmanway they celebrate their t- birthday tomorrow from 11am so happy birthday to everybody there in Tarish Stock Rose and the gang doing fantastic work raising money for so many charities in the Dunmanway and greater area of West Cork I met uh, Rose and and some of the gang at the County Mayor Awards uh, last week when I was emceeing the County Mayor Awards at County Hall. So uh, well done to Rose and the gang at Tarishstock Fundraising Shop in Dunmanway. Uh, 10 years going and they're celebrating tomorrow from 11am. So if you're in the area, head along there to Dunmanway tomorrow morning from 11am. Also good news for the Fast and Film Festival. Saoirse Ronan, uh, she's West Cork bound. She's going to take part in that film festival towards the end of May. So good news there for that gang, for Hilary and Pauline involved in the festival. And we were mentioning yesterday about posters going up for the elections. And we were speaking to Councillor Kevin Conway, how his posters were taken, well, the actual trailer containing some posters uh, the trailer has gone missing. Uh, no update on if the trailer has been found or not of yet. We heard his story uh, yesterday on the programme. Well, reading in the Southern Star, Siobhan Cronin has an article uh, that a poster in the Doris area or near Doris, uh, this was a poster that was taken down seemingly of a pole near Doris and then appeared nailed upside down to a tree uh, outside a graveyard and a church within hours after it being erected. Uh, the poster belonged to the Social Democrat candidate and local farmer Holly McKeever Cairns and it was, she's a first time candidate for the Bantry area uh, but she was horrified to find uh, that her poster was drilled into a tree upside down on Wednesday morning. Uh, it seems it was removed from a pole near Doris. So it does seem uh, some which you would presume dirty tricks are going on already in the first few days after the posters going up. 1850-333-103 Lines open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 uh, But the IFA and how they will boycott the sale of farm vulture funds and those trader licences discussing that next. On C103 Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103 Mentioning Storm Hannah a while ago a few texts in on WhatsApp asking if the bingo in the GAA in Mallow tonight is on or off. So any organisers 
of the bingo in Caragoon in Mallow tonight. Let us know if your bingo is on or off. We have a lot of uh, people inquiring about that. 1850-333-103. Now, the IFA has said its members will boycott the sale of repossessed farms put on the market by so-called vulture funds. The farming group held a protest in Balls Bridge this week and a number of Cork groups attended the protests. And the IFA Munster Regional Chairman, John Coughlin, joins me on this. Good morning to you, John. Morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Now, this process being held outside the AIB branch, the head office of AIB in Balls Bridge, they were holding an AGM inside. I presume the fact that these non-performing loans, as the banks say, have been now been sold to vulture groups. Uh, you're afraid that farmers, and these aren't farmers, by the way, who aren't entering into agreement and farmers who are wish to default and know the system. These are farmers who are trying to pay off loans, who have entered agree- into agreements with the banks, and now they will find out their actual farming loans loans are sold to a vulture fund. Is these people you're worried about? That's right, John. Look, this is what has happened, I think, uh, in the past week. Look, IFA has been in negotiations with the banks on behalf of a number of farmers over the past number of years. And um, there are a certain number of farmers who have been in negotiations in in the recent time who found out last week that their loan had been sold to vulture funds by AIB. Now, we would have had, if had discussions with AIB a number of months ago and we were guaranteed that there would be no farm loans that were capable of being repaid, sold into these vulture funds. But unfortunately, last week, it transpired that there was a small number of loans that were capable of being repaid had been sold. And I suppose what really sticks in people's craw in this is that these people were not told that the loans were going to be sold. They just got a letter at some stage to say loans had been sold on to such and such vulture funds uh, without they ever knowing it. And that was it, no choice in the matter, just we're selling your loan that, and, and there's nothing they, else they can do? They had no choice whatsoever in the matter. And I mean, they, and they had, these were farmers that had been in discussions with their bank managers where there, was, uh, there were restrictions being put in place for, to allow these loans to be fully repaid. And there's no law, really, if someone does approach their bank and has a structure in place, uh, they, they could, the banks can still sell that loan to a vulture fund, even though the person who has a loan is trying their best to pay it off. Yeah, that seems to be the issue, John Paul. Look, and I think, I think where, where we come from as, as an organisation, we are going to support every farmer that is capable of repaying their loan and that is willing to repay their loans. And I think this is the this is the real question here. I mean, at AIB, they have a mastery campaign going, backing Brave, for the last 12 months. Are they backing Brave if they're going to sell off loans of farmers who are capable of being repaid? Maybe over a longer period, but look... In these cases, the banks get every penny that's owed to them. They get the interest, whereas when they sell it to vulture funds, they're probably selling these loans at a discount of 20 top to 40 or 50%. And you mentioned you are going to boycott any sales of those farms which loans have been sent to the vulture funds. Is that the case that we're going to see a lot of protests over the next few months from farms that the for sale sign goes up, you have bidders or whatever going in looking at the farms. Are you going to block people going in viewing the farms or how is this going to work if you're going to boycott the sale? Well, look, if it's up to AIV at this stage. They do have an opportunity over the next number of weeks to withdraw those loans that are capable of being repaid from this sale. And I think that's why we need, we were looking for a meeting with the CEO of AIB over the past couple of weeks. We couldn't get that meeting until we protested last uh, last week outside LAGM. 
That, even, that evening, we secured a meeting with Colin Hunt from next Friday. And I think, look, a lot will, him do, will depend on his response at that meeting. If he's prepared to withdraw the loans that we have been in negotiations on, and where farmers are prepared to fully repay those loans, we certainly will not allow any farms to be sold under those circumstances. So if he's going to play ball, basically, there might not be protests, but if it's a case they're going to go ahead, sell the vulture funds, you are willing to, to stop yes. the sale of these farms? Absolutely. And, is, and that will be by boycotting and, I presume, blocking farms? It will. It, if whatever it takes, we're going to do it because we're not going to allow our members to be sold out where they're genuinely willing and able to repay these loans. And is there a lot of cases here, in, without going into different areas, but in the Cork and Munster region, have we a lot of farmers who have got into difficulty? I'm looking at texts coming in here in relation to Storm Hannah, and a lot of farmers are making the point that they were told to expand uh, for the Harvest 2020 arrangement, and they were told to build new sheds and do all of this, and now the way things have changed in the last three or four years, the various weather patterns that we've had, they find themselves in financial difficulty, and that could be one of the cases for people who aren't able to pay back their loans. Yeah, look, there's, there's a number of reasons why farmers come into difficulty, and I suppose if you if you were a beef finisher at the moment, you you would be in financial difficulty because of the price of finished beef over the last seven or eight months, mm. and that's a, a Brexit-related issue, something totally beyond the farmers' control. If you had repayments to make over the last four or five months, you would not be able to meet them if you were finishing cattle. Similarly, in the dairy situation, back in 2016, when the price of milk fell to the floor, dairy farmers were under serious pressure to make their, those commitments, and in in some cases. These, uh, the time period probably that the loan was taken out for was probably too short given the cash flow situation. And I think this is where IFA have been involved, where there have been difficulties in meeting payments. We have been able to restructure the loan to get a longer term. And I think this is the key to all of this, where farmers have difficulty. If we can get in and negotiate with the banks and get it extended, they're able to repay it in. And so why should the banks be selling out these loans to vulture funds who are probably going to make uh, a fortune out of them and take that out of the country? Yeah, and uh, you mentioned there uh, farming at the moment, how difficult it is. We've all seen the low cattle prices in some parts across the country, so that can be another reason uh, how people can default on loans. Uh, before I let you go there, John, one issue we got during the week when we were discussing uh, the licensing issues of learner permits, and some people were driving around the learner permits for 35 years or more, is the trailer licenses. A lot of confusion still remaining about what license people should have to tow a trailer in this country. It was brought in in 2016, and it depends on your category of licence and indeed the category of the trailer as well and, and size of the trailer uh, a lot of farmers when we we're discussing licences during the week feel this is a mess it's unfair and how come if you have a licence before a certain date you can drive a trailer or, a ta- or tow a trailer and then if you don't have a licence before a certain date you can't do that even though people have been towing trailers for 20 or 30 years uh, do you agree with these rules that were brought in I mean I know we discussed it at length at the time people weren't happy but they're still enforced two or three years down the line Look, I suppose this, this was the issue uh, back, back uh, when in 2013 uh, when the Road Safety Authority started to implement these regulations. I suppose, look, it's fair to say those regulations were actually there for a long number of years, but they weren't being fully implemented. We in IFA had negotiated and tried to get the Road Safety Authority to put a proper campaign in place to enlighten farmers uh, of the general public and to educate the general public on the particular licences that are needed. We um, we did get, as you say, we got a moratorium for them, for people who had got their licence before 1989. 
and that was secured by IFA for farmers to tow trailers. Unfortunately, we couldn't bring in any further. And as a result, look, in 2016, the road safety started implementing the laws and came down with a heavy-handed approach. And it's we, it's here to stay, so basically you're saying there's no change in this. So what, what I, you've done with the, up until 1989 and those afterwards, uh, th- there's no concessions for that? There is no concessions for that. And I mean, look, the, diffi- the difficulty is that uh, there are people out there, are some people out there who think they have a prop- the proper licence. And I suppose, look, the, the issue here as well is that the, the licence is dependent on the weight of the trailer that you're carrying. And it's also dependent on the towing capacity of the vehicle. And I think the issue here is that the road safety should have a proper campaign in place to educate people. And I mean, there's no reason why they cannot um, communicate with every driver out there today and let them know. Yeah, because a lot of farmers, fishermen, small businesses who rely on this, especially in rural areas of Cork, feel that yes, this is just is. an unfair law. That okay, it was always there, not very implemented. But from 2016, they started that, and they feel that they haven't been given enough time. Even though now three years on, people just feel, how can you decide that all of a sudden a person who has a license before a certain date can or cannot drive towing a certain trailer? They just feel that it's unfair. I mean, you'd have to agree with them I on that. Totally, how unfair I it is? Totally agree. It is. Yeah. But look, I mean, as well, look, we. Uh, we don't have any choice in the matter. It was a regulation put in place by the government, implemented by the Road Safety Authority. And I think it's the it's the heavy-handed approach by the Road Safety Authority. I think is the is the real difficulty here. And I think they should have a proper campaign in place where people know exactly where they stand and how and how they can get out there and get a proper license. Yeah, well, I think a campaign again is needed because there is so much confusion. I mean, it was something yeah. that we weren't thinking of discussing, but when we were on about licenses, it came on and came up, and the confusion still remains out there. So I think you're right. I think something well, needs it, to come I back it, about that. Well, for the moment, uh, John, thanks for joining us. We'll uh, wait and see what happens uh, with your meeting uh, on those uh, vulture funds and indeed those farm loans with the IB. But for the moment, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, That is John Coughlin uh, from the IFA. He is the Munster Regional Chairman of the IFA. Our lines are open, 1850-333-103. Regarding the trailer licences... More education, that's really what all can be done or more, another campaign uh, from the Road Safety Authority. It seems no one is going to change their minds on this particular issue. And even though uh, some farming groups did go along and organise their own education campaigns and, and their own uh, meetings in various parts of Cork uh, it seems still uh, that confusion reigns and people aren't sure what they should be driving with and a majority of people feel it is unfair and as John said uh, the farming groups would agree with that it is unfair uh, that this actual licensing change just kind of happened all of a sudden and people then were uh, first of all unsure if they can tow a trailer with their current licence and then were just totally confused about the whole situation anyhow your thoughts and comments are welcome on that it seems though things Things aren't going to change. People were looking for change on that, but it seems as we're three years on from the heavy-handed approach, as John put it, on implementing the actual laws on this, that things won't change with regarding the trailer licensing and what license you need to tow a trailer. Anyhow, your views welcome. 1850 333 103 R&D text or WhatsApp 0862103103. We'll also wait what happens regarding those vulture funds with AIB. But on the way next, this is a warning to parents 
and indeed Leaving Cert students who were planning uh, the uh, post-Leaving Cert holiday. If you were uh, planning a post-Leaving Cert holiday, a warning to you next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And an update regarding Storm Hannah. Someone on text asking, is the Skibbereen in Bingo going ahead tonight due to that particular storm? Unsure, but if you are running the uh, Skibbereen Bingo, let us know if that is going ahead or not tonight. Also, I can tell you, though, that Bingo in Tully Lease, that is off tonight due to the storm. So Bingo not going ahead tonight in Tully Lease and Storm Hannah could be yet upgraded to a red warning for parts of the country later today. At the moment, the status orange warning is in place for us here in Cork and the surrounding counties. We know from four o'clock that is in place and it looks at the radar maps, it looks from around three o'clock. Storm Hannah will hit the West Cork coast, first hitting Ardgroom, Castletown Bear, Kikrahan, Goleen, Skull, Baltimore, those areas will then go across the county. But it seems the high winds will be worst at the coastal areas are in the coastal areas across Cork in West Cork and East Cork uh, so at the moment an, an orange warning is still in place but speaking a while ago to us John Eagleton from Met Aaron says they'll know later this morning whether they need to issue a new warning for Storm Hannah. We're certainly having discussions about it alright but no decision has been made yet just a slightly different track but more or less on the same lines it comes in over the Aran Islands Storm Hannah about 8 o'clock and exits just south of Dublin just at around midnight. So we'll keep you up to date across the morning here on C103 uh, with the latest developments regarding Storm Hannah. Now, the director of Cork's Sexual Violence Centre has issued a stark warning to students who may be booking post-leaving start holidays. Following on from disturbing reports from those young holidaymakers, the director is Mary Crilly and she joins me. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning. morning. And thanks for joining us. Uh, Many of these girls and lads, they're only 17, 18, Mary, and while they're going off on these holidays after completing their leaving search they're with their friends they're drinking a lot of what they are doing though is their first time going away on this type of holiday first time maybe drinking at this level on their own with friends so they're vulnerable because it's a new experience to them really isn't it they're vulnerable and they're invincible and I wish they could just go away and have such an amazing time and then come back and talk about it without kind of worrying about what might or what might happen. I mean, I have a few messages. I'm going to be kind of really look after each other and make sure everybody's together and everybody is safe. Uh, but the reality is the majority, say the majority we see who are assaulted are young girls, but it does happen to boys as well. The majority of boys going on holiday are not doing this. The majority of boys going on holiday will try it on with everybody. They'll try, probably try and get as many sexual partners as they can when they're on holiday because that's what they do and that's not, not what I'm talking about that's very different that's their own business and if girls do the same that's their business as long as they are safe and use protection that kind of thing I talk about situations where girls are raped and it does happen quite a lot um, and where they get caught in the hop is kind of they would c- come in and they'd kind of say I haven't told my family I didn't tell anybody when I was on holiday I was warned, you know, not to go off with the local guys and not to go back to their apartments because you don't really know the scene there. So where they get caught in the hop very often is that they meet a gang of youngsters from up the country or from some other part of the country or even maybe locally and they go back to the apartments with them because they think they're quite safe. And you know the majority of times they are safe. But there are occasions where they're not safe and their guard is really down because they're with guys from their own country. They feel they're like their brothers. They feel they can have great crack with them and that's where their guard is down. Now I also even resent having to use that term, their guard is down, as if they can protect themselves. It's just to know that they are vulnerable and if guys who are out 
to sexual assault somebody, they stalk and they wait. They're predators. It's about power. It's about control. It's not kind of, look at her, she's lying flat out, she's very drunk, um, she's fair game. It's really kind of, I want to do this because I can. Because guys who, you know, want consent, they want the girls to be part of what they're doing, even if it's only to say afterwards, God, you're amazing or something like that that they seem to like hearing. The guys who are raping are very deliberate about doing it. And I think they need to realise the impact it has on somebody. It's not like that was only three minutes or she was out, but she can't even remember. It really stays with the person. I can imagine a young girl or a young boy coming back from a holiday like that where there's no parents around, where they're going to college, they're going to work, they're going to third level, or maybe they've nothing to do after they haven't decided or or they didn't get the points or something. Just in that small period, their life has changed forever. I'm not saying they can't come to terms or, or get over it, but their life has changed forever. That person has changed their life forever. And they're dealing enough with what college to go to, maybe moving away from home for the first time, a new city, a new area, new friends, while this is in their head and the back of their mind the whole time that this has happened to them uh, on a holiday. You mentioned there, uh, it could be, uh, you know, it could be on a night out. It might be local guys from different parts of Ireland uh, taking advantage, if you want to call it that. Uh, you'll, you'll have situations whereby girls or guys will see that the person there, if you want to call it targeting, is drinking. It might be very drunk, but but is drinking to a level that they know that they will come back to their apartment and they know then that they can take advantage. I mean, is, is it a way, Mary, that as a society, we are gone, especially the, the younger age groups in their late teens and 20s, uh, some, not all, but some, just seem to be gone sex mad. It's gone from the day where you could go over and kiss a girl or kiss a guy. It's gone to, you, you must get that girl or guy back to your apartment for sex. It, it is gone like that. It's gone to even a survey we did with kind of first level students in, in third level education who kind of were feeling and these were little, little kids just kind of coming out of secondary school. If a guy nearly bought them a pizza or walked them home, well then he was entitled to sex. That's kind of what's happening which is ridiculous and I find consent classes are kind of helping to be with that attitude more than kind of like say the guy who rapes doesn't want consent one way or the other. But that that is true. I mean stuff that was unacceptable years ago is quite acceptable or the guys kind of feel they're entitled to it and but on holidays it's kind of reinforced more so it's like a huge big holiday where they feel everybody's fair game and people are not fair game and I think especially if they're drunk they're certainly not fair game they're more vulnerable and it's about kind of looking after them then rather than kind of deciding okay I'm going to go for this one because I can like the guys that are doing it are guys who are feel a sense of entitlement of arrogance they you know are quite aggressive they're quite um popular, you know, they'd be kind of quite charming, that yeah. kind of way, where you know, they turn around the next day and say why would I rape her? Sure, I can have anybody I want but not in the kind of way that he wants them so, like, I'm coming from the place where I want everybody to have a really, really great time and I do believe the youth of this country can make changes. I've seen it in different referendums, like, I'm not saying which side anybody would be on, but I've seen youth coming out and really making changes and voting and they can change this. I mean, the good guys that are there, and there's so many of them and who see their friends doing this, they really need to start standing up to be counted and call these guys for count and say this is not on to treat a girl like that or to rape them in that kind of way. Yeah, so if you are out, a warning as well, Mary, I suppose, to friends, if you are out and you you are a girl or a fella and you see your friends about to do this and you know they're going to take advantage, just tell them stop. If they're getting too pushy with a girl or guy and saying, you know, kiss me, kiss me or or whatever, tell them stop and get involved without without violence or anything. It can be hard because you will isolate yourself probably from the crowd. Yeah. 
the pack who won't want that. But I mean, gradually, if you keep making changes, it, you know, mm. things will change. Because girls who are going away are told, be careful, watch yourself, watch your drink. The guys going away need to be told, cop on and, you know, get consent. And this isn't appropriate behaviour. And any girl that they're with, just think, but they're doing what they like somebody doing that to their sister in the way they're doing it. I don't mean being consensual sex, but I mean if they're raping somebody, she is somebody's sister. And it is happening. They're coming into the centre. They haven't told their parents very often, which is what we totally encourage them to do, to tell them. Um, they just feel there's no point in anything. They haven't told their friends. They could have a situation where somebody, a young girl might have met a guy in Cork before the holiday and she's mad about him and he didn't even want to go on holiday. So she's at this party. She's not drinking much because she just wants to be at home with the love of her life. But she's booked a holiday and paid for it. Um, she gets raped that night. She doesn't want to tell anybody that she's raped because, as you know, even to say that word, I've been raped, is very difficult. It's nearly easier to say maybe I consented because then you're not a rape victim which carries an awful lot of baggage with it or an awful lot of, oh my God, what do I do about this kind of thing. So if she decides to go for the morning after school the next day and has a friend with her, all of a sudden she's a slut and the word will get back to the boyfriend that she's been sleeping around. So you have a young person who's had the most horrific thing happen to them. They feel guilty, they feel responsible, they don't know how to cope with it and, you know, just to finish it off, it's all their fault. We never say it's the fault of the perpetration. That's exactly who it belongs. So we'll make excuses. We'll say, well, what if she didn't do this, that, or the other? She didn't do this. Like nine out of ten of those guys in that room didn't do it, nor would they dream of doing it. And the one guy that's doing it is so consistent about his behaviour that the friends know who he is. Okay, and as you said, it can change lives for the mere for the moment, Mary. Uh, thank you for for highlighting the issue. So a word of warning, yeah. and people can enjoy themselves, but just be extra Absolutely. careful, very Absolutely, very careful. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Mary, for that. That's Mary Crilly, who's director of the Cork Sexual Violence Centre, and just shows as well the changing attitude we have towards sex in this country amongst our youngest uh, in their late teens, early twenties. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three lines open on the way after C one zero three news at midday or at eleven even. Uh, we're going to hear about a homeless family who lived in tents in East Cork last summer and possibly they could end up doing the same again this year. Also, your cooking skills, do you pass those on to your children and an update on the big push to save lives event on at the Cork Racecourse in Mallow tomorrow. Just an update on Storm Hannah for you. The latest on that is still a Met Aaron warning of a red alert that could be issued later this morning. We'll bring you the very latest on that if they decide to issue that particular red alert. For the moment though, it's an orange alert for the Cork area and surrounding counties. That is due from four o'clock this afternoon. At the moment, looking at the Radar maps from three o'clock. Storm Hannah hitting the West Cork coast. The Beira and Mizzen Peninsula is going to see the first effects of Storm Hannah, and then across the evening, it looks like coastal areas of West and, and uh, East Cork are going to be hit the worst with winds of seventy to eighty k, damaging gusts then of one hundred and thirty kilometres there, and also uh, that is across the county. But overall, the wind speeds on or in coastal areas will be worse than inland areas of Cork, nonetheless. Still, uh, that orange warning in place and the damaging gusts then uh, do continue for the whole of the county. So be careful if you tend to be out and about or want to be out and about later on this evening, especially if you're driving on the roads. But again, uh, it does seem coastal areas will see the worst of this particular storm. And we'll bring you the latest on Storm Hannah across the morning here on C103. Just cancellations into us regarding the particular storm. Uh, the sale of work and a raffle that was advertised by the Church of Ireland Union of Parishes for Bandon GA Hall uh, that was due to be on tonight that is postponed that will now take place next Friday the 3rd of May 
Bingo uh, that's cancelled tonight in Kildallery and the Clonakilty Faroga Youth Musical Extravaganza which was due to be held tonight in Clonakilty Industrial Hall that is postponed due to a later date that's going to be on now and again tickets that you purchase for that event tonight in Clonakilty uh, they will remain valid uh, for the next date they choose to put on that particular play uh, by the uh, Faroga group there in Clonakilty uh, just more coming into us here on cancellations uh, the bingo in Tully Lee that is off tonight due to the storm and still getting a lot of calls in so if you're an organiser of the bingo in Skibbereen or in Mallow uh, people asking is the bingo in Skibbereen or Mallow on or off tonight you can let us know you can call Bernie 1850 333 103 or text or WhatsApp 0862103103 something that is going ahead though is bingo on in Charnival on Sunday night and that's at 8.30 all proceeds there going to the St. Joseph's Foundation in Charnival and they're asking you to come along there to that on Sunday night 1850 333 103 our lines are open we were discussing earlier on regarding the farmers and how the IFA will boycott farm loans that are being sold to that could be sold to buy AIB to vulture funds they protested a lot of local groups did protest this week outside the HQ of AIB in Ballsbridge in Dublin well on that and on one of the reasons uh, maybe why people are facing the idea of unable to be paying back farm loans uh, Jonathan says we were told by agri-advisors and by many farming groups to expand a lot of farmers on the ground didn't want to do this and could see that problems would arise in 5 or 10 years time but about 7 years ago farmers were told to expand all part of the harvest 2020 with that in mind some farmers did some farmers didn't and if you were seen not to expand well you were seen to be just one of those farmers that didn't want to move on many small farmers now because they didn't expand are finding it hard but then on the other side of that we have farmers who did expand and maybe too much and now they are finding themselves in difficulty because of changes outside of their control to do with climate storms and indeed Brexit says Jonathan uh, while a texter here is saying with Storm Hannah approaching climate change is here and Minister Coveney and the Minister for Agriculture Michael Creed must be put in the spotlight for their so-called grass-based farmers. Uh, this was when they were giving a free hand at expanding the industry. There was snobbery at the same time when the rest of us were paying a super levy on production fares and the rules were broken for that but if this text are basically saying that it was unfair uh, that they expected people to go along and expand with their farms and now we see those farmers affected with all the storms and all the climate change that is going on in the last especially the last four to five years and on the licences for trailers and the confusion around the licences for towing a trailer a lot of people saying yes and agree that does need to be another campaign to educate people on this Mary says the licence for towing a trailer wasn't everyone's licence 20 years ago but if you didn't send in a medical report when renewing your licence you would lose all their extras this was not explained properly to people as I have sent in a medical report every 10 years and I have all the categories on my licence says Mary so I think there is a need uh, for another campaign on the issue of the licence and the correct licence you need to tow a trailer in this country regarding the holidays and a warning there from Mary Crilly, uh, who we spoke to just before news at 11, who's director of the Cork Sexual Violence Centre. Mary issuing a warning to students who are booking post-leaving their trips abroad uh, and they're hearing there and other uh, areas are hearing 
uh, that deal with uh, sexual violence of young people coming back from those holidays and they have been assaulted uh, on those particular holidays by somebody maybe they might have known or a gang they got involved with went over there. Not necessarily a, a gang local to the area, but it usually can be a group of Irish lads who they might feel they can trust. And then they find up or find themselves in that particular situation where they have been assaulted after a night out. Uh, on this, uh, one texter asking regarding this topic, when does consent become regret? with regards to what we're talking about and a texter here who just says a Bantry female listener where are the good days of going to a dance and meeting a partner men these days want two or three women it seems not just one I'm a 46 year old divorced genuine honest person and I can't meet anyone anybody any suggestions because uh, this person feels it's sad but romance doesn't exist anymore says that particular texter in Bantry a female texter in Bantry and we were saying that and discussing that with Mary Crilly. The days uh, have changed when it comes to dating and even going out. It just appears now a days that uh, whereas maybe years ago people would go out, as you mentioned there, to a dance, meet a partner there. Uh, and then we went to the case of people would go out and they would kiss somebody and you know the next steps would be a date and whatever. Now it seems that you go out and the thing is to get a person, uh, a girl or boy, back to your house and it is all about sex. And, and whereas before a kiss was a big thing and it seems the kiss is nothing and these days sex really is nothing either. It's just taken for granted and, and people just seem to be going out and expecting it when they go out. And as you heard Mary saying there, the guy or girl who walks someone home after having or getting a pizza maybe after a night out expects from walking that particular girl or boy home expects maybe sex on that particular night things have changed the attitude has changed to sex in this country your views are welcome on that uh, a good analogy there from the Bantry a listener on the days of simply going to a dance or even maybe 10, 20 years ago you go out and kissing a person and then maybe going on a date after that but now uh, things have changed totally and the attitude towards uh, dating and towards that scene has changed totally your views are welcome 1850 Now uh, you would have heard last year uh, we spoke to Keely Jones and this was Keely and her family who were living in tents in East Cork last summer they are facing the possibility of doing the same again this year and as the busy summer season approaches she's afraid that they'll have nowhere to stay. Uh, Keely, who has nine children, has been unsuccessful in her bid to secure a home. Yesterday, uh, she spoke to C103 senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran and Fiona first asked her where she has been sleeping since last summer, where she has been staying since last summer and also, uh, could she be ending up sleeping in tents again this summer? Basically, it's been week-to-week accommodation. Um they only ever book you for a week and then you've got to move weekly so we're packing up our stuff every week um just basically hotels we tried to stay with a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com it's that time of the year Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. 
Tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Holiday homes so that we've washing facilities and kind of to cook food and stuff, because when you're in the room you've nowhere to cook food nowhere to make breakfast and we've tried to stay as local as we can to keep the kids in school you we're coming into the summer season now and obviously all of the hotels b&b's holiday homes are going to be booked out so are you afraid for what's going to happen now over the next couple of months um yeah very afraid especially since the new system took over um everything's different now you've no control over your booking um, before we could kind of make the book in ourselves and they wouldn't have to know that you were homeless. So it gave us a bit more of a chance of getting a holiday book in. Um, now the council deal with it and they have to tell whoever they're dealing with that you're homeless. Um, and kind of with our size family, I can't see who's going to take us. And even the logistics of everything, of trying to move you and all of your kids from one place to the next, and if it's like weekly to weekly, you're packing up everything it has been taken um kind of three cars or three journeys um mum's been in kind of with one car full of suitcases and th- then we've got the kids and then we're doing a second run you know to move stuff and you don't realize even when you've got the basics there's still a lot of stuff there you know and are you looking at maybe staying in tents again for the summer um it's a possibility if we can't get accommodation i don't see what else we can do um, maybe a mobile home, um, I don't know. Uh, we're looking at a camper van or something, um, but realistically we've been looking at the prices and uh, they're a bit out of our reach anyway. And what kind of an impact is all of this having on yourself and on the children? Um, the kids are just wanting a home. Um, they're sick of being on holiday. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the smaller ones is just adjusted. This is their life. Um, the younger ones don't really know what's going on but the older two they want a puppy they want a room you know they want a bed they want to be able to have their friends over and birthday parties and sleepovers and it's all stuff you can't give them you know and it's simple things that every child should be able to have and they can't what's that like for you then so um it's heartbreaking because you just feel like a failure as a mother because i can't even provide the simple things for them and like before we started talking, I asked you about getting a job and, you know, yeah. you just tell me a little bit about that. Is that a possibility for you at the minute? Um, at the moment, the problem with me getting a job is if I get a job up the road and then next week we've got to move, I've then got to go look for another job and then another job and another job. And I've also two babies at home with me at the moment constantly um, because 
Um, Richard has to bring all the rest of the kids in and out to school. So that's three or four runs a day in and out to Yule to get them all to school and to clubs. And, and like over the last year, have you been offered any house? Is it a case that... Uh, we haven't been offered anything, nothing. We've been bidding and bidding and bidding and we've been looking and people have been sending me kind of accommodation that's come up for rent and we've applied and it's always the same story, do you know? Oh, sorry, do you know? You didn't get... Uh, you didn't get I don't know. You just didn't get it, do you know? And when you're bidding, it's on this um, this system, this online system. Then. Yeah, on the CBL there can be 140, 200 people bidding for one house, do you know? So I don't know where that puts us priority-wise. And you know, this is obviously just a mess, really, of the whole situation, and you're kind of just stuck in the middle of it all now with no. You don't know what's going to happen no, for your future? It doesn't seem to be a future. It's just kind of, I don't know, we've come to the stage to accept this is what it is and I just don't see an end coming to it. This is life. It must be very upsetting for you just to say this is your life now. Yeah, well, it is. This is now, you know, this isn't what we expected or planned or, you know, and you can't plan anything for the future either because you don't see a proper future. You just see this. And other people have been contacting you who are in similar situations. I mean, it's not just you. No, there's been a lot of people contacting me. Um, Actually, neighbours of mine from the old estate I was on um, asking me for advice. Um, People that I wouldn't have thought of, you know, that just completely text me out of the blue saying that they're in the same position. And it can be anyone. I mean, people look at you and think, oh, yeah, homeless you know you've got all them kids that's why you know that's not why there's so many people out there that are homeless that are working it does it can happen to anyone now and what kind of like um you know you were saying there that you wanted to highlight the the situation the system how does it make you feel when you see you know boarded up houses around the city and county and then you've got so many people bidding on one house and so many people who are homeless it's very frustrating um, we've been lucky to have two nice people from the council working with us um, that are trying their best, but I feel that the problem's a lot higher up. Do you know that the system's flawed? Um, it's not through lack of people wanting to help us, because I do feel that they have been accommodating to us as much as they can, but at the same time, they can't give us what they haven't got, and they haven't got the power to either. The system's flawed. They need to be looked at higher up along the line as to what they're going to do. They can't keep ignoring homelessness because it's worse it's getting. Can you afford to rent a, a private house? Um, I doubt, no, not off our own backs. We could with HAP. Um, have you tried that, haven't you? Yeah, we've been in for lots of them. We always get the same response. Um, you've quite a few people every time going for the property. Um, we didn't make the shortlist. Do you know? So it's not like you're just sitting around scrounging off the stage? No, definitely not. I'd love to be back at work. I'd love to be, you know, doing something. I'd love to be giving my kids a good example because the worst thing ever would be for them to end up like this. There's the reality of what is happening on the ground. Keely Jones, who 
uh, was living in Tint last year in East Cork with her family could be doing the same again this year and mentioning there about bidding for houses and people queuing up for houses I mean outside of her situation and outside of the council uh, housing situation we have people who are looking for private housing who are looking to rent a home themselves and even when they're going to look at a rented house they're queuing up with many others just to see if they can rent a particular house people are queuing up to see if they can rent a room in a particular house in the Cork City and indeed surrounding areas that's what it's like at the moment and if you're buying a house well you'll be queuing also we saw what happened in Balling College there last week so that's what is happening uh, on the housing system uh, from the private point of view and also there from the council situation as you heard with Keeley just shows what things are like at the moment for people who are looking uh, to get a home for themselves 1850 333 103 lines are open and on the way are you a mother who no longer has time to pass down cooking skills to your children? Discussing that in a few minutes. C103 Jobs. On today's job spot, we have opportunities for chefs of all grades wanted for a restaurant at Griffin's Garden Centre in Dripsy. You can email your CVs to info at griffinsgardencentre.ie. The ISPCA are recruiting a full-time animal care assistant for the Equine Rescue Centre. That's in Mallow. You can check out their details on ispca.ie. And classic windows in Calumny require window features. Experience is not essential as training will be given. You can contact 0214 for further details and you'll find these details and more online now go to c103.ie forward slash job Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 A new study has found that Irish mammies are no longer passing down cooking skills to their children The research which was supported by Safe Food along with researchers from a number of universities, one of those is Queen's in Belfast and Professor Mara Dean from Queen's University in Belfast joins me. Good morning to you Mara Good morning. And thanks for joining us. First of all, the primary aim for these group discussions that took place was to see the best way to upskill people, either using recipes or indeed then uh, using a video to cook. And and speaking this morning with some of the staff here on the station, it seems a lot of people prefer a video uh, to cook and feel they could cook better with a video. But out of that came the discussion about mothers not passing on the skill or indeed the art of cooking. That's, that's right. So um, once they had taken part in the uh, experimental thing that we had, they, we, they sat around, they tasted the food that they had cooked, and then spontaneously they started talking about how they learned their skills from their mothers, the role that they played in the family uh, eating environment, if you like, you know, having to set the table, you know, helping their mothers to do some chores, and how that their children now are very different to that and that, that they were not expecting or they were not getting their children to help them or also involved in the food cooking. So it was quite interesting because I think mothers, uh, you know, the primary mothers who were uh, involved in the project, they were talking about that they wanted their children to learn to cook. They would love their children to be able to cook, but, but they didn't particularly want them in the kitchen while they were making something because they were so time-pressured. They wanted to things done quickly. And um, also they felt that having the children would, you know, cause a mess and also the children will be wanting their interaction. So one of the things that we were talking about is that we understand, the, you know, we all face the same time pressure. But one of the unforeseen consequences, if you like, if children don't um, take part in these activities early on, 
they don't they kind of lose their confidence so um they don't actually have the skills that even if they wanted to later on to cook that quite a lot of them i mean obviously you can teach yourself to cook but it's much harder if you didn't do it as a young person and had the skills so that's the kind of thing that was coming out from the chat and i suppose from that we are seeing uh, especially people you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed at the age of 16, 17 and 18 who are preparing to go to college then move out of home and go to college a lot of these people because the skills haven't been passed on find themselves reaching a house share situation and not knowing how to use an oven correctly or cooking equipment correctly and how to cook and a lot of the time they just turn to an app and they just then decide to order in rather than cook from fresh so it, it has a knock-on effect Absolutely you, 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 you know you hit the nail on the head so what happens is when you go to university, you know, your money is limited, but also if you cannot cook, um, it's, you know, you, you are in a, a new environment, you're learning lots of new things, you don't also then want to spend time learning how to cook. And at the moment, there is so much availability of, you know, um, ordering food in or buying, you know, buying things um, very, very quickly so that you resort to eating takeaway type food, which on the whole is not as healthy if you eat it on a daily basis. Um, and one of the other things is when money is tight, if you do have the skills, you uh, you know how to make things cheaper. Whereas if you don't have that skill, you are dependent on what is being sold at whatever price it is being sold. And then more or less, the cheaper food, the cheaper end of the market, is, it tends to be not as healthy, if you like, and as uh, things that you can buy if you pay a little bit more or if you can buy the things fresh and cook it yourself. Yeah, and that will have the healthy option. And you can shop around and, and you can find ingredients whereby you can cook from scratch and you can do that at a lower cost. It is possible. And just interesting, you mentioned there uh, regarding mothers and passing on the skill uh, to their children and you're all about the mess in the kitchen and all of that. A lot of it, I presume as well, which I mentioned earlier, is just down to the busy lives we all have now. People don't get home from work until later in the evening. People are bringing work home with them and simply they just cook the meal as fast as they can, give it to their children and then might go back and do work stuff or the children go to bed. And that's it. There's no thought about cooking. Absolutely. And I, I know, and, and it is, you know, it's not, you're saying that, you know, it, it, it is difficult to go back to how it was because, you know, we had a little bit more time. Usually mothers were at home. It, we are not advocating that, you know, that we are going back to those days. But we are doing this without consciously um, wanting to affect our children. You know, both parents come home, you pick up your children from wherever, um, and you come home and you want, everybody's hungry, and you want to make the quickest meal possible. So you yourself use a lot of convenience food, but also you don't want the children in the way or them helping because it's easier if you could do something yourself, put the meal out and everybody eats and everybody's happy, and then, as you say, you might have to go back and do some work um, or not. But... So we're not doing this um, purposefully, you know, but what we are, but the way we are behaving and the way we are doing things is has having the consequences to our children's, if you like, um, uh, skills. So we have to think about are there other ways we can upskill our children? You know, could, could it be something that we could cover in the you know, curriculum in the school as a compulsory thing? And also maybe um, if you are conscious that this is what's happening, Maybe at the weekend, maybe you could involve the ch- you know the children to um, make some dishes. But some people do, 
But usually that is seen as a treat, so they only talk about like you know whether you're baking something or making some treats. But what would be interesting or what would be good would be to maybe, as a family, if it was possible, once in a while, to everybody get together and cook um, as a Sunday roast, if that was something, or some other meal. But um, taking part in making a daily meal rather than something that's a special a treat meal like a cake or biscuit. And did you come across all of that as research from families whereby the children actually dictate what the parents cook, that you might have a fussy eater and on the way home to the house, they will say, well, I won't eat that, I won't have that. And the parent just makes whatever is easiest so that they'll know they'll sit down and eat it. Yeah, I think parents are in a very difficult position because one, if, you're, if you are working and you have a very short time and also you want to give the children what they will eat, uh, one of the mothers were saying was that when we they were children, their parents decided what would you know what would be cooked and what would be served. But now they feel that their children dictate to us what they will eat and what they won't eat, and for an easier life. And also, you know, you you as a parent, you want your children to eat. You know, otherwise you think you know you don't want your child to go to bed with an empty stomach. So then you try to please the child, and then you end up making multiple meals. And if you are making multiple meals. In, you can't make everything from the beginning. You kind of find in you know, a shortcut, and then you move more towards convenient food. Um, so yes, I think you know it, it's. Um, they felt that there were changes. You know, there were changes in terms of how they were brought control and the amount of power they felt they had over their food versus what their children have um, in relation to what they have to do to please their children. And I suppose finally the fear is that if we look towards the future, if this trend keeps happening and, and people aren't showing their children how to cook or give them an, a basic cooking skill when they do leave school and when they do go to college or, or move away, that you could have a situation people are just going to get takeaway, eat out, and that will lead to a nutritional, not a benefit, but a decrease for people if they're just going to have processed food, fast food, and not cook from scratch. That could be the trend in a number of years time if, if we keep going down the road of not showing people how to cook absolutely and I mean, you know that 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 was our, that was our main point about the paper and also i think you know cooking is like anything else it comes with practice right it's like riding a bicycle driving a car knowing how to do something you know, by watching a program you're not going to be able to do it you have to do it you have to make the mistake and then you learn from it and like your listeners saying that they would prefer to watch the video you also found that most of the times that the um, mothers who were only given the recipe were able to follow and do it. But when they had to make the, the, the white sauce from uh, from the beginning, you know, using the flour and the milk, and then it, when it changes texture, they said, you know, if it had been at home and it was the first time I was making it, I would have thrown it out because I would have thought that it had gone wrong. And because the video showed that it was okay, okay, this is a process, and then you just, you know, um, sorry, the butter and the... A flour and then you add the milk and you know and so they kind of said by seeing that we knew that it was okay that it's part of the process and therefore we could be carried on so making mistakes getting things wrong is part of the process of learning when you have to learn a skill and then i think if you start young and you can you can make those mistakes then you are if you kind of when you go to university or when you go and live on your own or start work you kind of know you have those skills that you can use them even if you haven't used it uh, all the time, but if you are not skilled that way, and then you have to start from fresh, that is, you know, is an added difficulty, if you like. It's just a, a, something that adds um, more problems 
but also it's because you lack the confidence, you don't actually, um, quite a lot of people may not even start. And as you say, it will have consequences for our diet and our health. Well, interesting research. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning uh, on that. That is from Queen's University in Belfast, Professor Moira Dean. And I suppose from that, growing up even, do you remember your own mother giving you a bit of the icing from the cake as they were preparing that, showing you to cook the evening dinner? Uh, do you remember that? And are you able to pass down that particular tradition to your child? Or, like we've discussed, are people just simply too busy? Or have you fussy eaters in the house whereby it's easier to make two or three meals, but at that stage stage then if it's able, if you are feeling that two or three meals, even though it's a lot to do, uh, that it can be easier in the long run to have less hassle in the household, you then aren't making everything from scratch so you can show them, uh, the children that is, how indeed you prepare a meal. Uh, So your views welcome on that. Maybe you do remember your own mother uh, or indeed father passing on the skill of cooking to you and remember the various things you made in the kitchen. Let us know if you do 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 On the way we're going to hear how prep Operations are ahead of tomorrow's big push to save live events at the Cork Racecourse in Mallow. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 A big push to save lives event is taking place tomorrow at the Cork Race Course in Mallow. With more than an update on this, I'm joined by John Finnegan, who's one of those involved in the particular event. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us. Now, I know at the very start you joined us in studio and went through what exactly is happening tomorrow. Just to remind people and indeed an update on this, of course, this is where you and a group of five responder schemes are coming together to hold this particular joint venture tomorrow to show people that these services do exist and are in place in North Cork. That's right, yeah. There's, uh, there's five responder schemes coming together tomorrow. We're pushing ambulance 26.2 miles around the racetrack in Cork Racecourse in Mallow. Uh, weather permitting, we are going ahead. Uh, we'll be starting at 7 o'clock in the morning and we hope to be finished in around maybe half past four tomorrow evening. And you'll be, yourself and members of the Guardian and others, pushing this fully equipped ambulance and it's the distance of a, a full marathon, isn't it? That's right, John Paul. Yeah, it is uh, between ourselves there and the local Guardian there from Mallow. Uh, we're, putting a, uh, we're pushing a fully equipped ambulance, uh, a full marathon and I mentioned the aim of this is to promote what you do, what you guys do in the North Cork area. I mean, there is a lot of community first responders in operation in the area. And tomorrow, I'm sure you'll be giving demonstrations on what you do. And the schemes are from the Donrell, Buttevant, Mallow, Ballyclaw, Liscarroll areas, but also just to give people awareness of the work you carry out. Yeah, that's basically what we're trying to do. We're trying to raise money to uh, buy equipment and to train up more responders the areas. We currently have 80 responders trained up in the five areas. Since 2014, George Sheehan started this up, and since then, there's, we've attended over 1,000 call-outs. So it's a it's big a number big. of call-outs for, for a lot of volunteers involved in this. Yeah, 100%. It's completely voluntary. Um, so it's basically just to raise awareness to the public and to the locals that we actually exist and what we do, because you wouldn't believe the amount of calls we've been dispatched to and people actually don't know their air codes. And it's just a simple thing. It's just to help. It's like to help us help them. It's just to make them more aware. It's like simple thing. Houses in rural areas, we've often been dispatched to calls. You're maybe in the middle of the night, and you're going down looking for an address because that's all you'd have. And you could be after, after passing the door four or five times, 
It's just simple things. Just turn on the lights, make the house stand out, help us find them faster because it's it's down seconds. Seconds count. And when you mentioned the call out, you get the call out. Is that I presume from the is the national ambulance service that you're responding to? And just the example of the type of calls you're going to is it for example cardiac arrest or, or what type of of calls do you get called to? Yeah, we get dispatched to um, from by from the national ambulance service to to five calls. We 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 actually serve five calls. We do cardiac arrest, chest pain, stroke. Um, we do non-responsive calls. And so it's basically it's just um, and choking. We we go to choking as well. So they're the police. And then while you're there with the particular person, it's then the role of the ambulance. Then is it? Do you wait there until the ambulance comes along? Is that how this situation would work? Yeah, that's right, John Paul. We we just say I get I get a text message from the national ambulance service with the details of we say either the air code or an address. And with very vague details of the patient, so we get we we get dispatched that we go there as fast as we can in our own cars. Um, we actually stay with that patient. We go hands on until the national ambulance service arrives. That could take anything from they could quite often they're there before us, and sometimes we could be there or anything up to an hour, hour and a half waiting for the ambulance. Oh, that's a long time, I suppose, if you're waiting for an ambulance. What in a situation, if it is an urgency, I mean, is it a case that one of you guys can take someone to the hospital or you still have to wait for the ambulance to arrive to the particular area you're in? No, we actually cannot transport any patient. We can only just stay um, stay with them and, and try and help them as much as we can until the ambulance service comes along. Okay, so tomorrow it's about awareness for this, also fundraising uh, for your various uh, the responder areas across North Cork. And if people do want to become volunteers, tomorrow's a good day as well because they get to meet you guys and they can ask you questions about the work you do there. Correct, yeah. Tomorrow is probably the showcase of, of what we do. We have everything there. We have from the guards, the Coast Guard, the Army, Civil Defence, Red Cross, National Ambulance Service, the RSA, Mallow Search and Rescue. The Hollow Vintage, the fire service, they're actually doing a couple of displays tomorrow. They'll be cutting the roof off cars. They'll be doing chip pen fires. We have Mike Hain and Companion, the search dogs. Lynch Medical are actually a company that are going to be with us tomorrow and they're doing um, free blood pressure checks to anyone that wants them. We actually have uh, free CPR classes going on as well and they're actually certified courses. So I think there's three of them going to go on tomorrow and they're certified for two years. Well, that's good because a lot of people will be looking to get into uh, and get to know about CPR. But the fact they can carry that out tomorrow and get a search uh, is is really good because usually it's only if you're working for big employers, you might get the opportunity to do that. Otherwise, you would have to wait until something comes to your area. So uh, that's a good initiative tomorrow for those interested in that. And and again, just the timing of all this. So when it starts tomorrow at the race course, I know you mentioned the weather there. I can tell you, Matt Aaron have said from midnight tonight, winds are to ease. So that storm we're mentioning all morning really is from three to midnight so from midnight on- onwards the winds are due to ease anyhow uh, so hopefully the rain will stay away tomorrow but just when it all kicks off again tomorrow there John The gates so we're, well we'll actually be starting we'll actually start pushing the ambulance at 7 o'clock in the morning the gates are actually open to the public at 10 o'clock and they'll remain open until 6 o'clock tomorrow evening we have a host of loads of things to do we have just choice there's kids entertainment there there's loads of farmers markets there's um fashion things, there's face painting, there is, um, you know, with people dancing and singing and stuff. So there's, there's a host of different things to do. 
there's something really for everybody there tomorrow so a big day at the Cork Racecourse in Mallow uh, John best of luck to you and all involved in that uh, great to actually organise something like this and showcase what you do uh, with the community first responders across the various areas of North Cork uh, best of luck tomorrow and I hope it all goes well for you Thank you very much, John Paul. Thank you. Take care. John Finnegan there, one of the main organisers of a big push to save lives event tomorrow, pushing that ambulance, a fully equipped ambulance, the distance of a full marathon at the Cork Race Course. Also, just highlighting the work of the five responder, sch- responder schemes in Donrail, Buttevant, Mallow, together with Barry Claw, Liz Carroll, uh, showing the work they do for the greater North Cork area. If you want to contribute by way financially, fundraise with them tomorrow, you can do that. You can just see what it's all about and, and just familiarise yourself with uh, the organisations and if you want to volunteer as well uh, that is all on showcase tomorrow if you want to ask questions to the guys also of course a lot more going ahead there like a family fund day and much more tomorrow and that's all at the Cork Racecourse in Mallow they'll start pushing that ambulance from 7am and gates open there at 10am a big push to save lives event tomorrow at the Cork Racecourse in Mallow best of luck to everybody uh, with uh, taking part in that tomorrow now just going back and getting a word in my ear about Storm Hannah no update as yet regarding Storm Hannah but I can tell you we are getting more messages in of of items being cancelled and uh, people asking about bingo in various areas I can tell you the bingo in Middleton uh, that that is cancelled tonight. So if you were thinking of going along to the bingo in Middleton, that is cancelled. But no update yet from Matt Aaron on the status. It remains status orange for Storm Hannah, which will be hitting the status orange. Comes into effect at four o'clock this evening. And the storm itself hitting the West Cork coast first, hitting the Bearer Peninsula and indeed the Mizzen Peninsula at around three o'clock. Winds will be the worst in coastal areas of Cork. 70 to 80k damaging gusts for the across the county of 130 kilometres we'll keep you up to date on the latest with Storm Hannah across the morning and across the afternoon here at C103 
Steve Winwood with Valerie at C103 on the way after midday more of your calls and comments we're also going to hear about a pop-up event in Mallow to encourage people to speak Irish so that on the way we'll hear about that and if you were one of the ones who went along during the week and auditioned for the Young Offenders that popular TV series well one of our reporters Murray two week went along as well and we'll hear those why indeed they decided to go along and audition for the Young Offenders that and more plus going to the movies with Mark on the way Cork today with you until one Bernie takes your comments 1850-333-103 or you can text a WhatsApp 0862-103-103 you can email jp at c103.ie or you can tweet this afternoon at c103cork the latest with regarding to Storm Hannah Matera now for the County of Clare only have upgraded the weather warning for County Clare to red so just in case that you were thinking of going to County Clare this afternoon or this evening I would stay away from there because the weather warning now for that particular county is going to go to code red this afternoon. Violent gusts of up to 150 kilometres expected later this evening for that area. So code red for County Clare for us here in Cork remaining with code orange status at the moment in effect from four o'clock this afternoon. Uh, Looking at the radar still here, we can expect to see high winds hitting the West Cork coast first, hitting the Ard Groom, Castletown Bear, Kilgrahan, Goleen Skull and Baltimore areas at around 3 that will then spread across the county uh, and all coastal areas really are going to be feeling this uh, the worst across the evening and they're going to be hit the worstest uh, gusts of up to 130 kilometres for across the county but wind speeds will be along coastal areas of West Cork and East Cork of between 70 and 80 kilometres an hour those gusts then uh, going to 130 kilometres an hour so uh, you, obviously the whole of Cork is in an orange status and we will feel the effects wherever you are in Cork but coastal areas looking at the radar are going to see uh, the effects worse than inland areas of Cork nonetheless that orange status in operation here in Cork from 4 o'clock this afternoon and indeed if you were thinking of going to County Clare well County Clare is now in a red alert status but here in Cork we still remain in an orange status from 4 o'clock this afternoon as a result of that a number of items have been cancelled for this evening uh, The uh, for safety reasons they are postponing the Dawn Mass in Castle Magnar also the sale of artwork and a raffle advertised for abandoned GA Hall tonight that is postponed until next Friday the 3rd of May bingo is cancelled in Kildallery tonight and the Clonakilty Froga Youth Musical Extravaganza which was due to be held tonight in Clonakilty Industrial Hall that is postponed to a later date tickets already purchased will remain valid and the Castletown Ladies Club have postponed their fashion show until next Friday the 3rd of May. Also 
Uh, coming into us bingo in Middleton that is now cancelled as well so that's just some of what is cancelled tonight for Storm Hannah so when I ask you about bingo and Skibbereen that is going ahead tonight okay bingo and Skibbereen is going ahead tonight uh, so far 1850 our lines are open you can text or whatsapp 0862103103 on the way we are going to hear about a pop-up Irish event uh, coming to Mallow this weekend and if you are one of those that went along and auditioned for the young offenders this week we'll be hearing from those who did go along and why indeed they want to appear on that particular TV show of course filmed here in Cork that and more to come plus our movie review with Mark but just going back to a number of comments into the programme on various issues we've been discussing this morning and first of all on the trailer licences and the licence you require and the licence you need to tow a trailer and such confusion around this and I think from speaking with the IFA this morning a new campaign a new education campaign needs to be brought out again on that because apart from people being frustrated on the law the law was always in place it's just they started enforcing the law uh, really from 2016 it came out first in 2013 they were going to do this but I think uh, looking from our records it was 2016 when we were dealing with the calls on this and people were just infuriated uh, that they were thinking it was a new law but the law was always in place and it came to down to basically is when you got your driving licence and then that depended on what kind of category licence you had and what type of trailer you could tow. Anyhow, on this, Noreen says, I agree with the texter yesterday about the trailer licence, that they hit the nail on the head. It has brought untold terror and hardship on middle-aged farmers and workers in rural areas. A lot of these people left school at the age of 15 and 16. And they haven't a clue about computers, let alone sit a theory test. Shouldn't years of experience be proof enough for their competence? It shows how unfair the Road Safety Authority are because they are constantly promoting road safety. However, here they are making these discriminatory laws against rural workers based on a random date which wasn't told to people back then. This should be challenged in the European Court of Human Rights, says Noreen on text. On the issue of posters, John Banahasic is asking how come voting posters are allowed when they distract drivers. There is no need for posters. We see enough of advertising within the papers for the candidates. While John Mallow has just passed through Mitchellstown, he's saying the town is covered with election posters. There are election posters up in the town and as far as he's aware is the Tuddy Towns there asked all parties not to put up any posters in the town. Uh, plus he says there's a storm coming later today and they will probably blow uh, the posters all over the place. So uh, Mitchell's town seemingly covered in posters uh, this morning and they were one of the towns according to John anyhow that the Tuddy Towns group asked parties not to put up any posters in the town but yet uh, there are posters up in Mitchellstown this morning. We heard earlier from the homeless family who were living in tents in East Cork last summer and they're uh, facing the possibility again of living in tents this summer Will Eileen in Buttevant has been on uh, listening to that interview that our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran spoke uh, to Keely Jones who, who her and her family are in that situation Eileen says well how did the rest of us manage with our children we all managed to keep our own families why does she have so many children if they have no jobs and nowhere to live how much is she getting on the social welfare and indeed getting from children's allowance and 
and Fiona did put those questions to her and did ask her would she go out and get a job and is she relying on the state and she said no she would love to work she would love to go out and get a job and she is not sponging off the state Uh, that's the answer that she gave Fiona when Fiona asked her those particular questions Eileen thank you for your your call in Bonavent but I can see Eileen's point of view when you have done this yourself when you're working every day when no matter what happens you are managing to keep a roof over your head and keep your own families and then you hear of situations like this Eileen posing that particular question and on the issue of romance and this is going back to an earlier texter from Bantry but also to our discussion with Mary Crilly from the Sexual Violence Centre here in Cork because Mary was warning students who are booking post-leaving cert trips to go abroad about assaults that are happening while they're on holidays. They might know the people that assault them or they might trust those. They might meet Irish lads from elsewhere in the country. They end up back at a house party or go back with them to a house and then a situation occurs that something happens at least with assault and they find it hard to tell people when they come back home to Ireland and sometimes they do rely on the Sexual Violence Centre to open up and explain and tell what actually happened to them while abroad. They've heard more of these stories in the last number of years. That's why uh, they are warning students who are planning the post-leaving start holidays about this and we were just making the point myself and Mary on the attitude and the change of attitude in this country towards sex in the last uh, five to ten years but especially over the last five years uh, those in their late teens those in their 20s before and we had listeners uh, also uh, commenting on this uh, you'd go as some were saying to a dance and then that might relate to a date for the next day or you might kiss a person on that particular night and then you might have a date after that whereas nowadays it seems to be just all about sex and that when people are going out these days and Mary gave an example of a young lad who got a pizza with a girl walking the girl home after a night out and just presumed it was going to lead to sex because that's just the way it seems to be these days. It seems to be the, the fact that when people go out, it's no longer just getting the kiss or looking for the next date. It's just that people want sex. And that could be the end of it. After that, they might not never meet the person again. Uh, it's the attitude towards sex has totally changed in this country. Uh, well, John in Ballonhasic on that says, talking about the days of romance, he says, bring back the Bluebell Quartet who played all over Cork. They used to give out little acquaintance cards at the dances. And this used to help young people to get to know each other. Also, Mary says, gone are the days with the ballrooms and indeed uh, the discos that they were called, now nightclubs. Uh, those days, yes, there was an attitude of trying to find the right girl or the right man, uh, but it was a bit more innocent than today. Uh, I think the attitude towards people in general has changed. We seem to be taking everything for granted. Uh, Noreen says her sons are on the online dating app Tinder and she's appalled at some of the stories that they tell her her two sons are very open with their mother but sometimes she wonders about these new dating apps that are out there and indeed just again the attitude in general amongst young people. Uh, She hopes her own two boys have a sensible attitude when it comes to dating, uh, says Noreen on text to 86 So the overall attitude to dating and indeed uh, those post-leaving start holidays and the overall attitude in this country when it does come to sex, it seems now it's just taken for granted. So when people go on a night out, uh, well, it just seems the time for uh, kissing and all of that. No, it's just straight to sex and if people are just seems to be going down that road where they are just going home with random people and that's it not even going for a next date
and that's the attitude and that's why then we have situations people coming home from those holidays uh, or nights out and going to the likes of Mary Critty because they find themselves in this particular situation and it is going back to the change of attitudes in this country uh, over the last in particular five years anyhow your views welcome on that 1850 text or whatsapp 0862103103 uh, on the way we are going to hear about that pop-up, pop-up event in Mallow this is an event that's going to take place to encourage people to speak Irish. We'll hear about that shortly and we're also going to the movies with Mark. The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie Gagan Community Hall Fields Committee they're holding a fundraising table quiz this evening at the Astree Bar in Old Chapel near Bandon that starts at 8.30 Clare Rovers GAA Lotto Draw takes place in Derry Murphy's Bar the jackpot is €12,500 this evening and the O'Donovan Rosso Bingo in Skibreen that is going ahead as usual tonight and the Banline Inneskeen branch of the Cope Foundation will hold a coffee morning a cake sale and raffle that is going on tomorrow from 11am to 4pm in Inneskeen and Tarnish Stock Fundraising Shop in Dumanwe which we mentioned earlier uh, they will celebrate their 10th birthday tomorrow they are open from 11am so go along and help them celebrate and maybe get a bargain or two there tomorrow at the Tarish Dock fundraising shop in Dunmanway and best of luck to Rose and all the gang there for their 10th birthday celebrations tomorrow and a 5k run and a 5k fun run or walk indeed will take place at the Donkey Sanctuary in age of the Donkey Sanctuary tomorrow it's taking place in Donnerill Park and it's taking place at 12 noon you can register there from 10.30 and the gates of the park in Donnerill will open there as well that again a 5k fun run and walk in age of the Donkey Sanctuary in Lascarol taking place tomorrow in Donnerill Park and it starts there at 12 noon. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Earlier we spoke regarding how skills aren't being passed on to children from their mothers or parents on the art of cooking. And these days people are saying they're too busy to show their children how to cook. Well, Maura on text saying on that particular issue, yeah, uh, they are busy and they are working. But also Maura says people are busy on social media. It's taking over people's lives. They can drive or eat or not to mention cook now because of the actual issue of social media and people being on social media good point Maura that could be another issue people are obsessed for some reason uh, with social media and obsessed with what they read on social media thinking everything on it is true as well which is causing so many problems uh, for so many people at the moment but uh, yeah good point Maura thank you uh, for your text on that regarding the art of cooking and passing that skill on to your children 1850 also, uh, more cancellations coming in and an update on Storm Hannah for you. Uh, still remaining an orange status for us here in Cork, but on cancellations, these swan sessions in the Gallery Bar in Mallow tonight, that is off due to the storm. And Pat in Glanworth has been on to us. The ticket draw for Lourdes in the Castle Arms in Castleton Roach tonight, uh, that is also off due to the storm that night will be rescheduled. Uh, so the draw there in Castleton Roach off tonight, again due to the storm. And something that will be going ahead tomorrow night in Mallow. And if you don't speak Irish, well, this is open for you as well. It's a pop-up girl talk. So let's find out more and say good afternoon to Coit O'Callaghan, who's behind this. Uh, good afternoon to you, Coit. 
Hi, how are you? Uh, thanks for jo- joining us this afternoon. Okay, uh, Mallow, far from the Gael Talk to Mallow is. Yes. So uh, wh- why are you organising this? And I mean, a lot of people might be slow to open up about Irish, even though we were all taught it in school. Many of us in primary yeah. school were nearly taught it fluently in every subject. And then usually <laughs> when you go to secondary school, uh, that's where people, for some reason, seem to lose their Irish. Well, yeah, well, Mallow is very strong for the Irish language. Like, there's a great... Gael School and a great Gael Clausha as well and it's a great ethos in all of the secondary schools on top of that but um, it's it's not really for people for with fluent Irish I mean it's, it's for that too but it's mainly just to promote an outside of classroom kind of attitude to Irish like we can go to the pub and we can use our couple of fuckle if we have them and if we don't then we can just enjoy the atmosphere of other people using them or learn our own few words but the pop of Gwales is something that's going on around the country and around the world um, to be honest and it's basically these nights that we can meet up and we can meet like-minded people that just enjoy the language not necessarily they may not necessarily be able to speak it very well or um, they may be able to speak very well but it's just enjoying the language and getting a chance to speak it on and having a platform to do so. Yeah, and one thing you'll find when you do go along to an event like this and people start speaking and if you have people who, you'll have different levels of, uh, of people with different Absolutely. levels of Irish, obviously, but you'd be surprised how much comes back to you when you start speaking yeah. Osgoelga. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, when people come in and they may not necessarily have the confidence, but as soon as they hear, oh, top point to cast all when, or I want to point, they hear that, then they'll know straight away that, um, how to say it and, and things like that. You know, I mean, it'll all come back to them. Even if they, all they can say is, I want to have and let her, you know, we're happy to have anyone that's, that's going to be able to speak any few words or even if they just want to enjoy it, you know. And is it something that you hope will grow then once you have this particular one event? Is it something you're going to try to make a monthly or, or weekly event in Mallow? Well, I don't, well, I don't think um, it necessarily would be like a weekly event or anything, but I do would like to have one as well in the summer, mm. um, basically depending on the success of this. But there's, they're on every weekend. Like I know there's one in Cork City even tonight. And there's, I know when I was living away in Germany, we had ones in Berlin every month. So, I mean, they are going on all the time. But I do think somewhere like Mallow, where we do have the RT Toss, we'll start off small and then you'll never know. We could be on every week then after that. And do you feel the Irish language, many will always get the argument that we don't need it, we should be concentrating more on French and German and other European languages and worldwide languages. But when it comes to our own culture, do you think the Irish language is making a comeback? People do want to learn Irish, oh, they do want to get involved absolutely. in it, despite what we hear about that it's no good and that big companies don't want Irish speakers. Still, it's our native language and there seems to be a big interest now when you hear of events like this. Absolutely. I mean, there is. it is like coming back. We're in the middle of a, of a revolution, you know. I mean, it's stronger now than it's been since, the, they say, the famine times, you know. I mean, it's really after growing. And the thing is, employers like Google and Apple are, are actually employing people through the Irish language. And the thing is, if you have Irish, um, say, above, say, having Jap- Japanese or Chinese, you actually have a higher chance of getting a job with the Irish language because so many people would speak the other foreign languages that even though there might be less jobs available the percentage is that of employment is actually higher with the Irish language So if people do want to go along uh, to this particular pop-up Gaeltrick event in Mallow on Saturday night where is it on and what time? So it's on it's on tomorrow night it's on O'Keefe's Bar on Main Street in Mallow and it'll be on from half eight and we'll have a little quiz starting at half nine and it's free for anyone to enter um, it's just all we'd ask is that you just enjoy the atmosphere and just join in if you can 
Yeah, and you don't have to be fluent in Irish. You don't have to no, have any no, level no. of Irish at all. Just to go exactly. along, have the crack. If you're not fluent, yeah, it's even better. Yeah, and pick up the words as well. That yeah. that, that, that you might you'd be surprised when you go in and speak uh, people start slowly speaking Osgwelga to you it will come back you'll be surprised you mightn't have all the grammar right but you don't need that you just need to no, pick a few no. words in and, and have a bit of English and Irish mixed up and, and start from there and it's just good to That's keep it. the whole thing alive so that is tomorrow night Saturday 8.30 yeah. O'Keefe's Bar in Mallow if you want to go along you do not have to speak Irish at all just to get the atmosphere and yeah. it's a pop-up Gaeltrick event and I'm sure we'll, we'll hear more about these across the area over the next while but for the moment best of luck Kite with that great idea and thanks so much for having me on. You're very no good. No bother. Thank you. That's Kaito O'Callaghan there organising that pop-up Gale Chucked event again O'Keefe's Bar in Mallow tomorrow evening from 8.30. Uh, a good event and you'll be surprised when you go along there if you've no Irish at all once people start speaking Osquale again a bit of English a bit of Berlin thrown in as well. Uh, it does come back to you. Be surprised how much comes back. Uh, you mightn't uh, know or get the grammar correct but it all comes back and works around in the end. Remember the Mokami look and all of those uh, particular ones we had to learn in primary school for the grammar Anyhow, best of luck with that event tomorrow in Mallow, the pop-up Girl Talks event. They're becoming very popular, as you heard there, right across the county and indeed across the world. Now, this week, a lot of people decided to go along to McCurtain Street to the Metropole Hotel and audition for a part in the next series of The Young Offenders, the popular TV show, of course, filmed here in Cork. We have spoken in the past to Demi Isaac, who was a student at Davis College in Mallow. We've spoken to her when she was involved on the Dancing with the Stars TV show, and of course, uh, she went on to appear in so many other shows following her success on Dancing with the Stars. But she is uh, going back filming this summer for The Young Offenders, the next TV series of that. But because of the success of the show and the success of the actors in the show, like Demi and more, everybody knows, wants to know, can they get a part in The Young Offenders? So auditions were held on Wednesday of this week and C103's Maria Tuig went along to speak to some of those who were auditioning and why they decided to do that. I've been melted fears. <laughs> oh, we thought we thought we fit the role fairly uh, efficiently you know, to be fair. So why are you auditioning? It's just so people stop tagging me in the commenting on Facebook about it so I said I'd go for it anyway. And why do you think people are tagging you so much? <laughs> because I'm a clown on Facebook and I'll do anything <laughs> like so this is the part for, for it like so. Who's your favourite offender's character? Oh, uh, Billy Murphy. I'm shaking. What's your name? Stacey. And Stacey, you're here at the Young Offenders auditions. Um, are you auditioning today? Yeah. Who's your favourite character? Jack and Connor. And uh, do you have any favourite lines from it? Um, I just liked when they took like photos and anything. That. And what was it like being in the Christmas special? It was just like I get to stay in my pyjamas. And were you in your pyjamas the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And how old are you? I'm eight. And what's your favourite thing about the Young Offenders other than the characters? And it's just like, like, you know how it's like acting all the bad words. <laughs> Eric. Uh, Janet Not nervous at all No, just the shaking is normal <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm pretty excited I'm obviously a bit nervous like, But, you know, here, we'll give it a go <laughs> I've only done this before <laughs> I'm sure of, yeah And do you like the Young Offenders? Oh, yeah I'm, 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 the, num- <coughs> I'm the number one fan <laughs> did, did, did you get that? Number one fan <laughs> And are you prepared? 
as prepared uh, as, as we as can, can be. be yeah. <laughs> as wow. prepared as you can be from hearing about it last night. My first name is Carol. So, Carol, you're here to audition for the Young Offenders. Why did you decide to come down today? It's because I'm an actress, I'm a professional actress. I have a while, but uh, I'm, I'm Brazilian. So, I did theatre in Australia in many parts, and I'm trying to start my career here in Ireland. And uh, have you seen the Young Offenders before? Yes, I love it. Uh, it's very nice because show beautiful cork, and uh, we're all very proud of the show. Good few characters in there. Best of luck to all those who did audition for The Young Offenders. You never know, might be hearing some of those or seeing some of those on the new series of The Young Offenders. I think they start filming next month for that and I presume uh, the show will start airing then towards the end of this year or early next year. The Young Offenders, of course, uh, filmed here in the Cork area. 1850-333-103. Lines open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. On the way, we're going to the movies with Mark. You're listening to Cork. Talk today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And just a final few comments in on the issue of dating. We were speaking to Mary Crilly earlier on the issue of post-leaving cert students going along on their holidays. And this is them coming back after being assaulted on holidays and contacting her in the sexual violence centre in Cork. But it led to the attitude of sex in this country, especially in the last three or four years. And the changing nature of dating in this country. A number of people have been in touch. We were speaking about uh, those in their 20s and uh, early teens. A good few texts in and also the Bantry female texts are back onto us again. And they all have the similar vein saying it's all ageist because uh, this person is saying that those in their 70s, 70s and 80s can be as bad as those who are young. Uh, those men in their 70s and 80s answering personal ads and also responding to ads on uh, plenty of fish on the net. And then they're ringing and texting or responding to messaging online and basically without even chatting just asking directly for sex that is what is happening with the dating world at the moment for all ages and Dennis in Cork says JP back in the day when we were out on a night out we went for the music and having a ball having fun sex never crossed our minds says Dennis in the city well different times and different attitudes something we've got so many calls and, and texts on the dating scene we'll uh, bring those and go back to that topic on the show on Monday uh, but from dating to our movie review and we'll say good afternoon to Mark Malone uh, afternoon Mark Hi Jumbo How are you? I'm very good How are uh, That you, is sir? good uh, Now you went along this week and you saw Hellboy first of all that uh, this is the trailer for Hellboy The end is coming I hope I'm not late to the party! Demon sleeps inside you. I will awaken it. If there is ever an end in this war, it will be because of your strong right hand. Yep, it smashes things real good. Hellboy, it are April 12th. Now, Hellboy, I've seen the previous Hellboy movies and they've always kind of done fairly well over the years. This one, uh, out this month, Mark, uh, what do you make of Hellboy? I'm glad you saw the original too. Did you like them? I did, I did like I thought I wouldn't because some of those movies, when I watched them, I'm like, oh yeah, they're, they're not great. But I did like them. It, he worked well. There was a, a different emotions throughout the whole film as well. It wasn't all about the jumping around, the explosions. There was a storyline in the film as well. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's why they did so well. I mean, the, the films were made by Guillermo del Toro who makes these kind of terrific kind of monster movies because he's big into monsters. He loves monsters. But he always gives his monsters heart and humour. Uh, here, it doesn't really, really quite work. And those two 
movies were very, very good. And this movie was meant to be the third in the series of those, but apparently Guillermo del Toro had a problem with uh, the, the movie studios, and so therefore it never really happened. So when, I think it's like 10 years, I think, since we saw those uh, original films, um, the, it took that long to make this film. And um, so they've got a new director. They have a director here called uh, Neil Marshall, who directs these kind of horror action movies, movies like Dog Soldiers and Doomsday. So it's kind of the perfect kind of director, I think, to kind of take on the legacy of, uh, of Hellboy. And here we have David Harbour, uh, who is the uh, police chief in uh, Stranger Things. He takes over as uh, the character here of Hellboy. And Hellboy was this little boy that was found, uh, you know, a boy from hell who looks like the devil. He's got two big horns, he's red, he's got a tail. And when he was found by Ian McShane, Ian McShane decided to adopt him. And in fact, um, quite often in the film, David Harbour, as Hellboy, does refer to Ian McShane as dad, which is kind of, which always kind of amuses me. And uh, he decided then what he could do is he could use Hellboy uh, to, to fight against other monsters. And it's, it's touched on this film, this kind of moral dilemma that uh, Hellmoy has every now and then, because at, at one stage, one of the monsters says to him, but you too are a monster. Why are you not on our side? Why are you on the human side? They don't like you. And they do touch on that uh, in this film, but not as much as I w- would have liked, to be honest. Uh, but because the film just tends to kind of drift off into areas where it shouldn't at times. And, it, you know, the, this character of Hellboy, like you said, I didn't expect to like the, the original films either. But you do, because you identify with this character you like this character you know because whilst he's uh, you know during the day fighting uh, monsters he goes home to his apartment at night and he takes out a glass of whiskey and he gets out a big cigar and he starts watching quiz shows on TV you know and it's and that's what made I think the first two movies kind of so kind of endearing uh, this wonderful character we don't see that here because apparently there was a lot of uh, studio kind of interruption in this thing Um, basically because of the success of Deadpool as you heard at the very end of the trailer there it was rated r in the united states so therefore they you know the level of gore uh, the level of blood you know the level of violence has been upped here they've dialed it really up to 11 here and i think that's a bit of a shame because by doing that it's taken the kind of the warmth of the originals even, even though they were quite uh, violent it was very kind of cartoon violence here like there's a scene for example uh, where he he fights these uh, three um, monsters in epping forest in england and it really is incredibly explicit explicit and violent. And I think that was a bit of a shame because a lot of the humor just simply doesn't work. And part of the reason for that is they were making it up and writing it as they were going along because the producers were getting involved. And in fact, it, uh, I believe you know the director um, has not in any way, shape or form after the film done any interviews. He hasn't spoken about the film because he just basically wants to wash his hands of it because neither... For one thing, he did not have the, um, the, the finished cut of the film. It was actually cut by the producers. And also, one of the producers apparently would interrupt the director whilst the director was trying to rehearse some of the actors, which is unacceptable, and that certainly shouldn't happen. And the the producer would give him different directions than the director would. I mean, the film has to be directed by, and the the actors have to be coached by the director. And in fact, you can see, and one of the criticisms of the film, in fact, is the standard of some of the performances are very, very odd indeed. It's a bit of a shame that has happened. I haven't heard of that before, whereby the director doesn't get to see the final cut of a film which he was directing. That must be very unusual. Not not really. It it does happen way more than you think. And usually when you do hear of that happening, the film's really tend not to be done very well and they turned out 
pretty pretty badly because of course the film should really be the uh, you know the dream and the, and and the imagination mm. of of the director but the producers have stepped in here because the producers I think basically looked at Deadpool and said okay look we need more violence we need more humor and this is the kind of thing that we need and a lot of the times it's very odd to watch kind of these kind of gothic kind of creatures even though it's filmed in kind of modern day London you have these strange gothic kind of trolls and fairies and just to hear them swear and use the f word is very very odd and apparently like you know, they had a script, but they just threw the script out because they wanted it to be more Deadpool-y, uh, which is a bit of a shame, you know. Uh, basically, the story is about uh, this um, witch, uh, and we meet this witch uh, played by uh, Mila Jovovich. She plays the Blood Queen in this. And when we first meet her, we meet her uh, during Arthurian days where she meets King Arthur. And she says to King Arthur, you can't kill me because you don't have the sword that can kill me. He then pulls out Excalibur, and she goes, uh-oh. And he then decapitates her into six d- different pieces. And he then gets his knights to take her to different uh, parts of the kingdom so therefore she could never come back together again so then we need to, we meet this other character which is probably one of the best characters of the film this character called Grugok which is played by Stephen Graham and he plays a kind of warthog kind of character who then decides to travel all over the kingdom to then reassemble her once again so that she then uh, kind of reunites the monster world uh, against uh, the humans and there are some very odd moments I mean this character uh, this warthog character of Grugok is actually voiced by Stephen Graham who's, who who voices it in a kind of a Scouse accent. So it's, it's very odd to see this warthog go and uh, say things like, yeah, Grace, I'm going to kill some people now today. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be fabulous. And then you've got also Brian Gleeson, who's kind of one of the less known uh, kind of Gleeson brothers, who plays the character of Merlin, uh, who, uh, of course, uh, was from the uh, King Arthur days. And he plays it with a very odd kind of stereotypical, almost kind of a Hollywood Irish kind of an accent. And it's very, very odd. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of you spend the whole time watching this film going this is very odd this is very strange because none of the narrative seems to work it's just all over the shop and it's almost like they just got a kind of a series of kind of set pieces put them together and thought that would kind of work but that but that does happen when the director is taken uh, off the film and and the producers take over and for those of us who remember Hellboy the first few movies does it take away from that what they have done yeah very much so yeah because it's just not good I mean, I, I have to say, I wasn't bored because there was always something of interest happening, although sometimes the CGI isn't great. There was, always, there was a clue that there was a problem in the prologue that Ian McShane gives at the start of the movie. And it's almost like he was just reading the words for the very first time. He puts no emotion into it whatsoever. I thought it was very, very odd. And it was almost like he did it because contractually he had to do it, but didn't, wanted nothing to do with it. And it was almost like they gave him the script. He said, give me the script. He read, the, he read it in one go and said, right, give me my money. And I think, you know, by the end of it, obviously, everybody was just fed up with it and wanted nothing to do with it. And I think that's a bit of a shame. I don't know what Guillermo del Toro will think about this film, whether or not he'll be sad because it's kind of poor, because when you consider his two movies were, were so good. Um, so, yeah, look, what I'd say to people is this. There are some fun moments. There are some interesting action moments. But in the main, it is pretty poor. OK, out of ten. I get four. Four only. Oh God! Okay, yeah. so four out of ten uh, for the new Hellboy movie, and then you got a DVD and on streaming the Old Man and the Gun. Now, what's this one about? Uh, it's about a an American career criminal uh, who all his life, from a very very young age, at the age of uh, thirteen, started stealing bikes and then just continued robbing banks, being jailed, uh, escaping from jail, 
and continuing to rob banks right up to to the end. Uh, in this film, is played by he's played by Robert Redford, who is also uh, produced here. And Robert Redford said this is going to be his final role before retiring from acting. This is it. He said this is my last time in front of the camera. And if that's the case, then I'm glad to be able to say that he can leave on a high because this is absolutely terrific. It is based on a on a true story. Um, although at the at the, the start of the, the the film, they kind of hint the fact that uh, you know they've exaggerated it quite a bit. They can, it's kind of loosely based. Uh, on a true story, they say, on this guy called uh, Forrest Tucker, who did exist. And as I say, he was this kind of career criminal from a very, very young uh, uh, young man. And in fact, he claims to have uh, escaped uh, from prison 18 times successfully and 12 times unsuccessfully. I mean, he even uh, managed to escape in 1979 from uh, San Quentin State Prison. Now, I'm not sure what kind of a person he was, but in this film, Robert Redford has kind of uh, portrayed him as kind of a gentleman criminal, because the way he would work and the way he would do he, go about his work and about his business was that he would go into the bank and he would just be nice. And in one of the things that the police, whenever whenever they talked to the tellers and said, well, what did he do? And they said, well, he was, he was very nice. He was incredibly charming. And so he becomes known as kind of this kind of gentleman uh, criminal. And so therefore, because he's kind of just taking small amounts of money, not too many people know about this, and not too people are really, really bothered. At one stage, uh, he robs a bank whilst Casey Affleck, uh, who plays this, um, uh, the police officer John Hunt, who is on the hunt of uh, this man, um, uh, he realizes that the, the, the bank has been uh, robbed whilst he's there. Later on that night, he's watching TV with his wife, and his wife says, did the robbery make the news? And he said, no, not at all. It didn't. Uh, and that's simply because because he was taking such small amounts. But he did get greedy at one stage and then tried to make, you know, the, the heist a little bit more complicated to kind of earn more money. That then brought in the attention of the FBI, who then decided to move Casey Affleck uh, kind of aside. Um, he wasn't just working on his own. He was. He did have a, a couple of uh, pals, uh, one played by Danny Glover and the other played by Tom Waits, and they became known as the Over the Hill Gang because they were all these men in their 70s kind of robbing, uh, you know, these banks. Uh, it, it, oh, another section of the film, uh, whilst he's being chased by the police, he does pull over to the side of the road and he meets Sissy uh, Spacek because her truck has uh, broken down and he starts a relationship with Sissy Spacek. And... You know, I read a review of this where somebody said, this is really, really boring. You know, it's really slow-moving and boring. But that's what makes it so wonderful and so fabulous. I mean, there's a scene between Sissy Spacek and uh, Robert Redford where they're just in a restaurant, and they're just talking. They're just chatting. And the scene lasts for about 10 minutes. And when it was over, you go, oh, I wanted more of that. Yeah, it's natural. Yeah, yeah, and you're too... Um, two legendary actors, nobody overacting, nobody underacting, nobody kind of using method to kind of portray, you know, what they're doing. They're just two proper actors, two fabulous actors, just enjoying each other's company and you enjoy their company because you really, really, really do like these characters. Yeah, that they have the experience. Out of 10, so for the old man and the gun? Uh, do you know, I'm going to give it 10. Whoa, 10 I, out of 10. I, I have Excellent. not enjoyed a movie like this Whoa. for a very long time. It's it's just it's it's just absolutely wonderful and it's like it's 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 proper movie making. Okay, well done on that one. So The Old Man and the Gun, get that now on DVD and Good streaming day. 10 out of 10 for the moment, Mark. Thank you for that. Back okay. again next week. And Mark Malone with our movie review. Uh, just to keep you updated, the latest on Storm Hannah. It is an orange alert still for Cork from 4 o'clock this afternoon. Expect those high winds uh, st- hitting the West Cork area from 3. Uh, so be aware of that. Mind yourselves on the roads and also mind yourselves on the coast across the afternoon. Nick Richards, though, despite the storm, he's turning up the feel good uh, just after after C103 News at 1 with these tunes.
Nick Richards turning up the feel good for our feel good Friday from one Martina continues that from four my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced today Patricia Messenger is back with you Monday from 10am I'm John Paul McNamara enjoy your weekend and stay safe during Storm Hannah